Sears. And Tobias drills it. Sixers up one. And Bede fakes and Bede down the lane. What is going on, guys, and welcome back to the Pick Swap Podcast. We are back with another episode, and I have a very special guest with me. You know him, Sam Giovanni of Clutch Points, the Sixers beat reporter for Clutch Points there. He is in around the facility. He is in the know, and I am excited to have him on, frequent friend of the program. Sam, how are we doing today? Doing good, man. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be back on. Uh, pretty good Sixers season so far. I have plenty to talk about, so I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll say, uh, if you asked me to check in at this point of the season beforehand, the vibes are much higher than I would have expected them to be. So I want to kick things off just starting with that. What's kind of your vibe check on this team right now? It feels like the energy is different. It feels like the just outlook within the locker room feels a little different. What's it like being in there every day and kind of your your vibe of the team as a whole? Uh, it's awesome, man. This is definitely a tight-knit group, um, something that they've like talked about um, as a big point of why they've been able to win with, the, you know, the injuries going out here and there, but yeah, everyone seems to be getting along great. Uh, it's always fun to, you know, see the guys uh, up close and personal at, you know, at the games, at practices and whatnot. Uh, everything's going really good. The the vibes, you know, it's not Fugazi at all. That's for sure. There are definitely good vibes around the team, and obviously, winning so much helps that. But it really does feel like this is a you know fun loving team that really gets along well and obviously plays hard for each other. Yeah, definitely. And I'm excited to dig into a lot of that there. So I want to begin by talking about a couple of the main pieces of this team, most specifically Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey. I also want to touch on a couple of the role players making a difference and kind of look at how this team can improve itself even moving forward. But let's start right at the top, and that has to be with the big fella, Joel Embiid. If you told me before the season that he would have an even better season than last year, I would think you were lying to me. But lo and behold, an MVP season and Joel Embiid has returned basically progressing in every single area of his game in a way that I really did not think was possible. So, Sam, what are you seeing from Joel Embiid that just looks different this year? I, at first, I agree with you. If you would have told me he was <clears> – <throat> if he still had another level to reach, like I would not have believed that. I would have believed that he would have looked different under Nurse, but not just like you know all-encompassing, like better in – getting better in the areas that he was already really good at. I would say the the – the effort is really not to ever say that he's like a low effort guy, but the, the way that you see him like really trying to command the boards, it feels like that's a big emphasis. Like even just watching yesterday, it was his first game back after missing four games. I, I want to say it was like 10 days or something given the last game from when he played, but he still got right back out there a little rusty, but like he was going right back out there, making sure that he got those rebounds and there've been plenty of games where he's been dominating on the offensive end. Uh, he previously had a career high in offensive rebounds per game. That's since gone down, but he's still up there. Defense, like, you know, the stuff that Nick Nurse has talked about, getting swings at the ball, stuff like that. Uh, the playmaking for sure uh, is better. I think part of that is just Nick Nurse realizing <clears throat> the passes he can make. Um, mm -hmm. So kind of opening up more of that stuff and also just increasing the frequency of um, dribble handoffs, which are kind of cheap little assists. It's just kind of, setting a screen, letting a guard go around and or a four or whatever. But he does still have some legitimately nice passes. Obviously, he had the triple-double, uh, you know, against the Bulls. So I would say just the the areas that, like, you could – you knew last year he wasn't – you know, he only averaged, like, four assists a game or something per, like, the last few years. He's still, you know, one of the bigger guys. But 
it feels like the there are bigger emphases there that he is not only unlocked with the priorities nurse is setting for him, but he's still doing the great scoring. Like mid range looks like a layup for him. I I never understand when people say they don't like watching him. Like I get the criticism of the foul drawing and whatever, but like watching him just like saunter into these mid range shots and fade away and hit him like they're nothing is to me at least very enjoyable. But yeah, yeah overall it's just a great season for Joel. Uh, the, and the fact that his stats across the board are better in fewer minutes than last year really is just like still hard to wrap my head around. Yeah, it is insane. And taking the the scoring to another notch as well, leading the league in scoring for the third consecutive season, hovering around that 35-point-per-game margin, I believe is at 34.8 right now. The assist yeah. is definitely a big deal. Um, And I kind of wanted to ask about that a little bit. For me, this kind of feels like so much of it I give Nick Nurse credit for, that I think a lot of this is I don't think Joel Embiid was ever that deficient as a playmaker. I think a lot of it was opportunity, that it is is difficult to playmake when a lot of the offense is Joel Embiid at the elbow and guys just spacing the floor around him. And we're seeing guys like Kelly Oubre with these back cuts and, and these off-ball motions, setting down screens, all these things that it just looks different this year. So how much of that would you credit Nurse? And just as a whole, what's your feeling on the way that Nick Nurse has helped take this team to another level? I would say that Nurse from the get-go has kind of looked to like kind of modernize the offense a little bit more. Uh, obviously, the last, <clears throat> at least last year with Doc, it was playing a lot through James and Joel, and it was predictable, but still super good. And that just spoke to how good they were last year. But now there's a lot more sets that the offense can get to where there are multiple actions and stuff like that. And there's still some, you know, let uh, Tyrese and Joel cook, which, you know, it's good here and there to just let the stars do their things, obviously. And both of them are so dynamic that they can do a lot with their dribble handoffs, traditional pick and rolls, that kind of thing. Um, but I would also say a lot of that is just the roster they have now, like not having Harden who only kind of did, you know, obviously it was unpredictable with the ball, but you knew what he was kind of going to do with it. PJ Tucker shooting literally only corner threes and nothing else. Like replacing those minutes with guys, like you mentioned, Kelly and, uh, Nico Batum, who can do uh, a bunch with the ball and stuff like that. And just the, the priority of pace, which I think is another thing about nurse. So I, I do give nurse a good amount of credit. I don't think everything is. Uh, perfect. I do think there's a lot of obviously heavy dependency on Joel and there's times where the offense can kind of like kind of lose its, its motion here and there. Um, some of that may be just, you know, working through a new ish roster still, still early ish in the season. It just yeah. turned to the new year. So, I mean, I think nurse deserves a, a good amount of credit in what the Sixers have been able to do, but I also think some of that credit deserve is not just uh, Embiid and, Tyrese, but a lot of the guys buying in and just, you know, playing their roles really well. Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the things Nurse has spoken about in the, the press conferences post game is talking about how they don't even have all their sets installed yet. And they're still adding things to to both sides of the floor. So that's something that it's only going to keep getting better, which is super appealing to me and very exciting to see. And we touched on it a little bit here, but Tyrese Maxey is another guy that has blown past my expectations to start this year. I think there were a lot of questions going into the season. We know we've seen the trajectory of Tyrese Maxey and really one of the more unique ones across the NBA. When we talk about obviously dropping to the 21st pick and it was a steal that the Sixers were able to get him there. Then him kind of being this this bench player for his rookie season with Ben Simmons in the fold. Then Ben Simmons sitting out, Tyrese Maxey being thrust in the starting lineup, kind of figuring things out. Then reduced to this complimentary off-ball role with James Harden, which really limited his on-ball reps. And all of a sudden he's thrown to the fire, asked to be the primary point guard of this team, which still has deep playoff aspirations 
and he's delivering more than I ever thought could possible. So speak a little bit about the, the strides that you've seen from Tyrese Maxey. I'll say I think that some of it was Tyrese Maxey just figuring out how good that he is, that I think a lot of times we've seen him in the past of him just deferring to Joel and James Harden, which is obviously understandable. So I think a lot of it is his natural maturation. But within his game, what are you seeing out of him that's different this year? I would say a lot of it is <clears throat> he does kind of have a little bit more opportunity to get um, you know, more reps with Joel specifically as opposed to being the third man in the Harden and Bede pick and roll. And kind of like how Embiid has some easy assist opportunities when it's a dribble handoff, Tyrese has very easy opportunities where it's kind of like a dump off to Joel and he's hitting in mid-range or getting right to the hoop or whatever. So I think he is kind of getting a nice feel for those those pocket passes for sure, not to just chalk it up to like he's feeding Joel, but he's legitimately making – pretty good passes doing a you know it's one of the things he often speaks about balancing the playmaking and the shot selection for sure i feel like him coming into the league you know with established stars continuing to play uh, as like a complimentary player and i, th- I think just the upbringing too um nurse had a funny yeah. comment about tyrese like being a facilitator and he was like oh he must be the son of a coach and obviously he was so i feel like that that unselfishness that more you know floor general mentality something he's still kind of working out of and getting comfortable being aggressive, getting to the hole, looking for his shot. Some of the shots he's making off the dribble, it feels like those uh, step backs going to his left where it looks like he's like bordering on a travel. It looks like he ripped those straight out of Harden's handbook. And yeah, everyone was kind of, you spoke well about Harden when he was traded, but Tyrese too was very, you know, uh, I remember like Sam Cassell and Tyrese had a great relationship as like one of the, you know, former point guard, one of the younger guys. I feel like James and Tyrese have their own special bond of like, you know, Max, you wanted to learn from him. Um, I feel like obviously the speed has been there since the beginning. Like that was one of the big things that when he was at Kentucky, it feels like he's mixing in more change of pace moves for sure, where, you know, he's trying to either lull the defender to sleep and then go by him, or he's putting on like a quick dribble move to freeze the defender and then getting downhill. Um, And that's been really impressive too. I feel like specifically in that um, Houston game, what unlocked a lot of those crazy finishes at the rim was getting guys off balance a certain way, doing quick dribble moves, and then using his speed as opposed to just hitting the gas, knowing when to hit the gas. I feel like it's one of his, been one of his biggest changes, and that's fueled uh, a season that I, I'm super surprised by. At the beginning of the season, I kind of predicted that he would be in the All-Star conversations, but I wasn't sure if he would actually – how strong he would be in the running, and part of that was because I didn't think the Sixers were going to be as good as they are, but – now he's right. got to be an all-star. The you can debate. There are a few. There are a lot of really good guards about starting lineup and whatnot. But Tyrese, I think, has definitely earned all-star consideration. Yeah, absolutely. And you kind of spoke a little bit to his mentality there and having the influence of his dad as a coach. And it is cool how family focused he is and how clear that is. And a cool story that I think tells a lot about Tyrese is I did. I went over to the the turkey drive that he hosted in Philadelphia and was just kind of talking to a bunch of them there. And I was talking to Tyrese's mom for a little bit. And I, I just made a comment that said, like, and even speaking from. Uh, my experience from the media side of things of he's truly one of the more professional guys and one of the nicest just to deal with through things. And the response by Tyrese's mom was just, he better be. And I do think that like says a lot about like his upbringing and his family who he came from, which I I don't think is very cool and speaks to a lot about him. But as far as like the, the basketball side of things, the playmaking, I wasn't sure that he fully had it in him, that I thought there was a chance that he was just going to be, not just going to be, I don't mean to dismiss, but be a guy that is a score first player and a, a guy that is, that's his, his best asset. And to see his ability to have these 20 and 10 games that we don't even really blink an eye at anymore is really impressive. And then 
when you speak to the the Joel Embiid pairing that we've run through a ton of options in this two man game with the Joel Embiid uh, Joel Embiid at this point that we've seen the Ben Simmons, the Jimmy Butler, the James Harden, everyone in between from that that kind of stretch of time. And I really feel like Tyrese Maxey is the perfect just mix of everything that if you want to compare him to like the James Harden two man game, which was obviously incredibly effective. That was James Harden's incredibly elite at the things that he does, but he's very limited in the things that he does do. That, as you mentioned, it becomes predictable when you know predictable when you know that they're spamming the pick and roll, that it's either looking for that pocket pass or it is the step back three and all those things. With Maxi, it feels like there's so much more that there that just can be done with the off ball motion, with his true three level scoring, whether it is that step back three, his finishing around the basket significantly better than anything they got from Harden. And then also from the personal standpoint. I think it's helpful that Joel is very clearly like the alpha of this team. But Tyrese is also a guy that's not afraid of the moment that everyone has talked about kind of like this big brother, little brother dynamic between Joel and Tyrese. And I think that's valuable between them that like everyone knows what the pecking order is in a way that really has never been the case throughout Joel's career that you can bring up different arguments for each of these guys. And it was just little different personality mixes, whether it was the Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, James Harden, all these guys that have had their kind of times to shine. There's always been like, I don't want to say a clash because I don't think it's to that extent, but not quite the, the right mix of things. And with Tyrese, it feels like it's like the right mix of he's not afraid of the moment, but he also knows that Joel is the guy that this team runs behind. And from a basketball perspective, I, I've been really impressed with how many ways that they're using these guys as a two-man set. Yeah, but that's been super valuable too, that mindset. And that <clears throat> big brother, little brother thing has been, I feel like that specific phrase has been bounced around before by a few different people in, in media availabilities. And it's very apparent to see them <clears throat> in person. And looking back at this summer, I remember, you know, obviously seeing the Nuggets run and just thinking about where the vibes of where the Sixers were at, the, you know, failure in the playoffs again. I wrote, um, that it would be the next step to unlock Joel was to kind of get him into more of those sets that the Nuggets do with Jokic. And it wasn't anything about like <clears throat> their equal status as playmakers. Jokic is obviously one of the best of the best. And Joel is good, but not super elite. But it was kind of clear that if you have this like big hulking guy that takes up gravity, you need to have guys that can attack off that. And I feel like that's what Maxi does super well. That's why, like you mentioned with the the way they work so well, not to say that he is like a clone of Jamal Murray. They're both kind of different guys, but Jamal can do things both with and without the ball that makes him so good. That's why Jokic can take advantage of the passing vision he has because Jamal can finish in so many different ways and then use his playmaking to get the, the ball back to him. And I feel like there's some of that dynamic with Embiid and Maxi as well. And it's, you know, it's always one of the classic NBA sayings. It's a copycat league. And while obviously all four of those guys are different, I think having about um, – a more like equal distribution between the two stars is huge. A lot of it last year was hardened to Embiid, hardened to Embiid, and now it can be Embiid to Maxi just as much as it can be Maxi to Embiid. And we'll obviously see, you know, how that goes in the playoffs, but at least for now, I think the results are as good as you can hope for. Yeah, absolutely. And both guys ranking the top 20 in the NBA in assists, which is pretty ridiculous that I would never guess that would be possible coming in the year as well. Uh, Joel yeah. Embiid sitting at 19th with his his effort there. And as great as they've been, they cannot do it alone. And there's also been a number of role players and guys surrounding that have stepped up. So I did want to highlight a couple of them. For starters, Kelly Oubre is, I think, a guy that uh, 
Uh, for me personally, what has impressed me the, the most is, number one, his commitment defensively, that I did not think he had this type of motor on the defensive side of the floor. There's moments where he's picking up all 94 feet, that he's just got this spunk. He's in there blocking shots, taking charges, competing, and that's awesome to see. And then on the offensive side of the ball, I truly feel Kelly Oubre is the, the best off-ball cutter that this team has had maybe throughout the Joel Embiid era, that some of these just instinctual way he finds his way on the baseline and his effectiveness in the dunker spot, truly having like a touch for that is really huge for this team. So let's start with Kelly. What are you seeing from him on the floor and how, how great of an addition has he been? He, he's been awesome, man. He's been super surprising. I feel like a lot of people, myself included, were like, oh, how is this going to fit? No, you know, kind of knowing what we knew about his career, but he seems to, you know, remember like he signed late, he signed for a minimum. And I think he really, super appreciated the Sixers giving him that opportunity to contribute to winning basketball because he's spoken super highly about the organization. Not, not, I think it was yesterday when he said like he loved being a basketball yeah. player for the same Sixers. He said something similar like that a while ago and he's backing it up with his effort on the court. His defense has been awesome. And I would agree as far as uh, his movement off the ball, it's super valuable because he can shoot off of movement. He can, you know, he's obviously athletic enough to throw it down and finish at the rim wherever he needs to. Uh, he's been fitting in super, super well. It's been very fun uh, to watch him grow with this uh, team. And I, I think we'll talk more about the lineup, uh, the starting lineup later. But I do think he needs to be one of the mainstays in the starting lineup, given what he can do and how hard he plays. That's that's valuable for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And another guy getting a ton of shine is Nico Batum. Uh, I, I, to me, probably the biggest prize in this this James Harden trade. Obviously, the, the picks are the real selling point. But Batum, the entry passes are getting a ton of shine. Uh, shout out to Dan Ollinger, who's all over that with the, the clips and everything there. Um, But deservingly so. That some of the easy buckets he is creating for Joel are huge. That quick release three the is insane. It's As much as it's been like a staple of the NBA and talked about forever, just to see it in a Sixers uniform really is special how, how quick he gets this off. But speak a little bit about Batum, what he's bringing to this lineup, and, and what you're seeing with him uh, along with the starters. He's been great, man. That one shot he had against the Bulls where he caught it in the corner, his arm was like already like at a 90-degree angle with his chest, and he instantly got it up. It really is such a rare and beautiful shot like to be able to do to shoot like he does is super valuable and nurse has talked about his size too and it might have been Batum's first game where he hit all those threes one of them was like a pin down where he came off caught the ball turned right and immediately fired he's a big dude and he's also like very old so it's super valuable to have a, a shooter like that and also have a guy that's just like sees the game so well and can you know um you mentioned kelly is one of the best <clears throat> cutters of the Joel Embiid era I feel like Batum might be one of the very best if not the best connective passers of the Embiid era just the way not just with the the entry pass which is always super important given the fact that they have a big guy like Embiid like that's a super important pass to make and he makes it look effortless but just the way he's able to get the ball moving and the the passes that he can make and defensively he he certainly tries for sure I mean he's you know it, it's I feel like they do ask a lot of him given his age and the fact that he has never been like a super super high minutes guy and they're continuing to like bring him along in that way like i get it he's super talented but um nonetheless what he's able to bring on both ends is super valuable and i do hope that his um his legs can like withstand until the end of the season because he is still at this age just he's a super smart player and he knows what he can do and i think the the on off numbers with him and beat Maxi specifically are like off the charts. So he's been yeah. awesome. 
Yeah, and we kind of teased the the lineup a little bit. So we saw for the first time last night against the Bulls, this new look lineup. There was no DeAnthony Melton uh, having a little bit of a back injury there that he's dealing with. So Melton was out of the lineup. We saw Kelly Oubre get elevated in the Sixers run with the starting unit of Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, Kelly Oubre, and, and Nico Batum. Do you think that is the lineup that should be here to stay? So I think that that is definitely one of the Sixers' best lineups for sure. Um, and I... I had this kind of thought exercise a little while ago of trying to map out the ideal rotation. And I came to the conclusion that it might be helpful to bring Batum off the bench as a high level, as a high minute six man, because my my whole thought process was making sure two of Batum and Bede Max are on the court at all times. Like the Sixers team, as good as they are, kind of lack ball handling. And Batum isn't like a traditional ball handler, but he's such a good decision maker that I think he can you know, continue to help Embiid and Maxi when one of the stars is on the bench. So I, I wouldn't be against Batum continuing to start. I mean, the results have obviously been super good with him in the lineup, but I think that should at least be the closing lineup of, um, you know, Maxi, Ubre, Batum, and Embiid. And then you can swap in, you know, if Tobias has it going, go to him or DeAnthony or Covington, who was out yesterday with, forget what exactly, but. I think knee. Yeah. I think knee. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think, I mean, I might have been just kind of splitting hairs of like, you know, if they do continue to start Batum, I totally get the rationale. Um, he should play high minutes regardless of where he is. But I do think it's worthwhile to, you know, try Ubre as a starter, maybe bring DeAnthony off the bench again. Like the Sixers are still set up where they're going to have a guy who is a starting caliber player come off the bench. Mm-hmm. So I do think it would be worth a while to see what it's like to bring D'Anthony off the bench, go with kind of a bigger starting lineup. Ubre, you know, they're not the exact same players Ubre and Melton, but Ubre is bigger, does a lot of the stuff off the ball that D'Anthony can do. I trust him a little more on the ball. Maybe it's more matchup dependent, but I feel like he's bigger and uh, shooting. They're both obviously great shooters. So again, the Sixers are in a spot where they're going to have a really good player, like a starting level guy, have to come off the bench. Um, yeah, and it's again, a good problem it, to have. It is a very good problem to have. I will say, though, it would be kind of tough to, like, you know, kind of let DeAnthony come back. It is kind of tough to, like, if a guy loses his starting spot because of an injury, like, that's not really fair. Like, I remember what that did to Maxi last year, and I feel mm. like that had a lot of, like, that his confidence was kind of shot. But, I mean, and Nurse has talked about, you know, wanting to see what he has. So I think it would definitely, definitely be worthwhile to, once most of the guys are healthy again at least, try different starting lineups here and there and see what they're all about. Yeah, totally agree with that. And, and also, Melton has been mostly very good this year. That a little bit of a slow start to the year, but since that point, he's been exactly what this team's asked of him and, and done his thing. We know defensively what he brings to the table as well. Another guy that I did want to bring up is Robert Covington. That personally, I'll just say I have not seen enough Cove for my liking. That it feels like every time he pops out on the court, like he pops to me. His hands are everywhere. He's making plays. Thought he's done more off the dribble than I really ever thought he was capable of so far. And to me, he's done exactly what I've hoped from him every time he's taken the floor. It doesn't feel like he's a guy that Nick Nurse is super in on yet or has found the right role or niche for him. What are you seeing or not seeing from Covington right now? I agree with you that he's doing more off the dribble than I thought. It feels like there's been a few games where a lot, most of his points have been off of, you know, catching, you know, going with the ball, taking it to the hoop as opposed yeah. to letting it fly, which, I mean, I don't. he's not going to turn into a shot creator, but at least it's nice to know that he can – you know, an option. Cat closeouts more instead of just like letting it fly. And I agree, his hands defensively defensively have been 
as good as they ever have been. Like the yeah. numbers show that he is not only tops at the NBA, but as far as the rest of his career, they're way higher. I do agree that he is someone that Nurse should try to find some minutes for. If I had to, Nurse has been pretty adamant about playing a 10-man rotation, which I think at least in the regular season, it wouldn't be super, you know, controversial to go to 11. But, you know, Nurse is the coach, and that's how he and his coaching staff want to play it. So I do think if someone needs to be bumped out or at least someone who should be more of a situational guy, it's Morris, who obviously the shot making is great. The fact that there's a Philly guy thriving in Philly is always super fun to see. But I think a lot of his value derives from the shot going in or not. And he's obviously a skilled shooter. He can, you know, tack close out, get into his uh, little mid-range stuff, face-up game. But I do think um, Covington has more value in other areas that are more typical, at least for a role player. So yeah, it's working right now, but I do think at least eventually it's probably going to come down to him or Covington. I mean, I, it might not because both, one could get traded. Morris's right. like $17 million or $18 million contract is probably going to be the biggest trade chip of the Sixers find someone they really like. But I do agree that somehow Nurse has got to find a way, especially because a lot of his focus has been wanting to get out in transition, wanting to turn defense into offense. And I feel like right. you know Covington's not like some expert, not some expert, you know, outlet passer like Kevin Love. He's not some super fast guy that's going to get up and down the court, but he's going to create those takeaways that, you know, he gets a deflection and he gets to a guard, then, you know, then they're off to the race. So I agree. More minutes for Covington couldn't, couldn't be a bad idea. Yeah, definitely. And it's been cool, too. He's obviously one of the, the pillars of the process that we all remember, like having the success story here in Philly and for him to come back and basically be as I remembered and like still an effective role player has been pretty cool. So I do hope that Covington sticks around and carves out a, a real role with this team. We'll see to be determined with that. But I have appreciated that. And and while he's definitely lost a step or is not what he was athletically when he was here the first time, He's a better overall basketball. Like he's more polished in the decision making, just well rounded in this game. So I've been impressed with Covington. And just a couple more quick hitters on guys that I did want to mention here. For starters, Pat Bev has been everything people hope to be in more. Uh, both from like the the on court, the off court, the the social media. He he brings it all across the table. So what are your quick thoughts on uh, what Pat Bev is bringing to the team? Yeah, he's been awesome, man. Uh, I feel like it's been said a bunch that he is the ultimate like Philly athlete, even though he's not from Philly. He's been super. Yeah cool to watch the um the sixers do a, a charity they partner with um uh, the snipes store at the roosevelt mall and they'll have you know they'll, they'll partner up with a local like youth organization bring the kids in for a shopping spree last year it was pj this year pat bev did it and he obviously he had a great time like just watching him you know interact with the kids and the kids talking to him about uh his playing career and stuff like that and the way that he's obviously embraced philly from the get-go has been super fun to see as far as on the court, I think he had a pretty rough start to the season, too. I was really questioning what he's able to do with the ball. Like, as a point guard, you really need to. And you know he's not been, like, a super big, you know, shot creator throughout his whole career. But if he's not able to get stuff going off the dribble or be a super high-level three-point shooter, I was, you know, I, I was really kind of questioning what he could bring. But it feels like he's starting to come along more. Um, you know, he's another guy that's older, but he still knows how to get into the paint. He knows, you know how to, you know, get defenders out of his way, take advantage of the openings. And he hasn't been afraid to shoot, but I think his shooting is still kind of, you know, it's not what it used to be in my opinion, but he's still been pretty good for sure. It's been nice to see. And obviously the guys talk about his energy and his leadership. Ubre talked about that too. And it's been kind of underrated that Pat Bev has gone from, you know, a starter his whole career to a bench guy really, really flawlessly. He's been, he's been awesome for this team and for this fan base for sure. 
Yeah, definitely. And there's little moments like that, that quick offensive rebound and pass out to Marcus Morris to, to knock down that three against yeah. the Rockets. Like that to me is like, that's Pat Bev right there. It's just those kind of plays that it, it makes or breaks game. It really does. And, and, and they add up cool. sure, to have yeah, guys they, put their body on the line like that. Absolutely. And it's infectious. I do think that that rubs off within a team. And I think that the Sixers team needed a little bit of that. So I've been loving that. And the last one I want to hit on here is B-Ball Paul is a fan favorite, a guy that we have loved and have uh, campaigned, pounded the table for him to get minutes. I do think we're seeing a little bit of the, the Paul Reed regression a little bit this year. And it hasn't been, I guess, as as clean into this transition as I hoped under Nick Nurse. And then on the other side of that coin, Mo Bamba has been even more perplexing for me to figure out as a basketball player that for a guy with as big of a wingspan as he is, for his size to be almost a zero as a rim protector is pretty insane. Not an entirely skilled rebounder. And it's frustrating because you see the moments where everything clicks. And it's like there's no reason why a guy that's seven feet tall with a legitimately good jump shot shouldn't be a capable backup center. But some nights it's it's hit or miss. So what's your vibe on the backup center situation? Is it Paul Reed for sure? Is it Mo Bamba has a chance of this? Is this a potential trade target situation? What's your feeling on the backup center spot? I think it should be Paul right now for sure. It hasn't been, you know, taking a huge step, but I think he more often than not can use his unusual game to impact the game positively more than Mo can. The way that Mo looked like down the stretch in garbage time against the Bulls was really concerning. And it's also weird because against the Heat, he was a lot, again, a lot of it was making his shots, but like he looked totally competent. Like it has been really weird to see. And I would say, like, <clears throat> they should just kind of roll with that. Like, they gave Paul this contract. They signed Mo. So I think they would be better served using their trade chips elsewhere. I think one of those guys – and, again, come playoff time, it's going to be Joel playing a lot more for sure. You just kind of need to right. kill some minutes here and there, and especially with how Paul, how good Paul was last year. Like, I feel like he's earned a little bit of a benefit of the doubt. Um, it's interesting that there hasn't been a lot of uh, two big lineups that Nurse has gone to. I remember him talking about yeah. that and that being, like, a big, you know – uh, talking point amongst like you know median fans of what changes Nurse might bring. Uh, it, it has been you know Paul has been kind of under fire a little bit, but I do think he more often than not like has those moments where you see his hustle and his defensive versatility, his rebounding is helpful. So I wouldn't say Mo has zero chance, but I also don't really have uh, a reason to like cede the backup center spot to anyone else but Paul Reed for now. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I also love the Marcus Morris comment of uh, how Paul gets one possession a game to do his crazy shit that he does all the time, which is about right. That's the that's the Paul Reed experience. So I do want to zoom out a little bit and talk a little bit about the, the league as a whole and just kind of the, the Sixers deadline attack. So I know that you have some experience over the Knicks wall, so the familiarity with that organization as well. They're the first team to kind of break through the 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 trade, I guess, you know, the trade trips for this season with that OG deal. What was your initial reaction to the OG Ananobi Raptors next trade? My initial reaction was I was shocked that Toronto traded OG. Like, I really yeah. was not sure if uh, Masai Ujiri was going to go that way. And I know divisions don't mean that much in the NBA, but to trade to a division rival and to do it this far ahead of the deadline, I was kind of surprised by. Um, but looking back from it, I think it makes sense for both teams. It was – Obviously, a lot of um, the Knicks fans that I'm mutuals with on Twitter that I'm friends with um, were really – it was tough for them to see Quickly and RJ go. Like, quickly has been the guy who's been super good this year, and RJ, more and more people are, have been coming to the realization that he's just a guy if that – like, the contract is not looking really good. And the fact that Quickly didn't get his but is 
playing super well despite Tom Thibodeau's weird usage with him. Like <laughs> there was a lot to stomach, like moving on from them, especially at you know, this is one of those trades where there were like no real rumors. I mean, I'm sure there were some linking OG to the Knicks because everyone gets linked to the Knicks, but um in the end, I, I see the vision for New York for sure. Getting a guy like OG to, you know, defend all the great perimeter players they're going to see. Um, ben Dietrich put this um, smartly of moving money from the back from the back court more to the front court. Obviously, OG is a wing, but he's someone that you're going to have to pay. And if they, you know, getting off the Barrett contract and quickly who they were going to have to pay, we'll see what the OG deal looks like. Um, right. But if it's an overpay, it's still an overpay for a guy who is a fine perimeter shooter and one of the better perimeter defenders in the league. So for as constraining as that might be, and you know, we'll see what happens this offseason. Uh, I think the Knicks had to make a move at some point, and they still do with all like the abundance of heavily protected draft picks they have. They gotta, I think, find a guard to replace some of those minutes from quickly because the backup point guard situation behind Brunson is very shaky. Um, I liked both Deuce McBride and Malachi Flynn coming out of college. They have yet to do a lot in their pro career, so we'll see if maybe with that that vacuum of backup point guard minutes, one of them can rise up. Uh, and then for Toronto, it was you know, it you know in hindsight, it makes sense that Masai wasn't going to go the traditional rebuilding route of let's just trade, get as many draft picks as we can. Targeting a guy like Quickly, I think, makes total sense. Like Quickly is, in my opinion, one of the top. 20 25 point guards in the league he can do a lot on both ends he fits super well with scotty barnes and you know rj is a bit more of a reclamation project but at least him being home in canada is super cool too he's definitely a guy that's going to embrace being a raptor he's already talked about it um i it's gonna be really interesting to see like this is one of those trades kind of like the harden trade the most recent harden trade it's tough to decide winners and losers now because so much more has to be kind of decided like for the right. Sixers, what to do with those picks for the Raptors and the Knicks if they, you know, re-sign the, the guys that they got, what they do with them. But I see the vision, and, I mean, it worked out super well for the Knicks already. They they were kicking the Timberwolves' butt for a while uh, in OG's first game, and the Wolves came back a little bit. But the the fit looks super clean with OG already. So we'll, we'll see how good the Knicks really can be as far as being a top, top-tier top team, which I don't think they are at the moment. But I do think OG helps what they were looking to get. Yeah, I agree. I, I like the trade for both sides. That I think for the Raptors, that Emmanuel quickly was very clearly the, the selling point, that that was their guy. And I think that's justifiable. That I think he's a great talent, a guy that didn't have like the long-term future in New York because of Jalen Brunson being there and kind of being a little uh, stuck behind him in the, the, the pecking order there. Uh, and he's going to have freedom to do what he wants in Toronto. And then from New York side of things, it feels like they just continue to build this infrastructure ready to take in a star that I think Jalen Brunson's a perfect example of that. I think OG Ananobi is another perfect example of that, that both those are very good basketball players, but they're also guys that can pretty comfortably drop back a little bit in the pecking order and it still be like effective in their roles. So that's kind of what I took away is it's very clear. And this is again, the story of the Knicks for how many years now of them waiting for this big time piece. But to me, the landing spot just continues to look more and more appealing of like that one guy that changes everything. I don't know if Carl, Carmelo Anthony's coming out of retirement anytime soon or who that guy could be, but I do like that from, from New York side of things. And you touched a little bit on the contract with OG there. I think to be honest, that's what held back Daryl Morey and the Sixers in the, in these trade talks is that, the fear for trading for OG Ananobi is, number one, he's an expiring, so he's going to be a free agent and might just want to straight up test the waters and figure out where he wants to go. And number two, there's also the the trade-off of if you trade for this guy, you 
more or less are committing to the intention to bring him back. So if you're then held hostage by what that deal could look like, and we've seen plenty of examples of this across the NBA. So I think Morty was a little bit unsure of, I guess, the uh, that like there was the potential for that to backfire in a way that I don't think he was comfortable with. Do you think OG was ever a legitimate target for the Sixers, or why do you think that did not come together? I would say he was legitimate. I mean, he's been one of the bigger, you know, maybe a little overrated as a player, but you understand the value with him is that he fits with so many teams across the league with what he can do right. defensively and his willingness to, you know, take a back seat to shoot. He obviously shoots really well from three. My biggest thing of why I never envisioned OG or Siakam landing in Philly is because I just could not imagine Masai Ujiri and Daryl striking a deal. Like, I just felt like, not to say that Masai is like super vengeful, but like, considering the split they just had with Nurse, sending one of his, you know, guys down there to Philly to compete. And I, I just couldn't see that happening. I thought the price was going to have to be ridiculously high, more than Philly could pay. Uh, and I do agree that, like, I think Daryl's going to have to kind of decide, like, you know, is he going to sacrifice the cap space plan to bring in someone that can help? Or is he going to be, you know, comfortable running the risk? And he he said something uh about this on the Ricky uh, a while ago of like, it's tough to like go in with the idea of trading for someone and then knowing you're going to resign them. But that's, you know, it's kind of tough because how can you not do that? You know what I mean? Like, right. like you said, like with an aspiring contract, like OG, that's kind of the implication. So I'm very interested to see, you know, I actually thought quickly was a great trade target for the Sixers because yeah. it fits both ways. Um, He's young. He has playoff experience. He was like Tyrese. He um, is an expiring contract, but with bird rights and restricted free agency, so they didn't have to risk losing him. And obviously, the you know the powers that unlock when you reunite with a college teammate. I, I would have been awesome to see uh, quickly and Maxi together. So that was actually one of my initial um, reactions too. As I dang, so that's two guys that I thought the Sixers like. I thought made sense for the Sixers, but. Yeah, I'm very very interested to see. I will say real quick, Zach Levine, I would say is like it's tougher for me to see that too because I don't see for, – for him to be a sixer, okay. Moore would have to say – the contract, right? It would be like Moore would have to say, okay, this is a guy good enough to forego the cap space plan too. And he's got a lot of money to do. So I yeah. would say my, my opinion is that I don't think Levine's going to be, be a sixer. Yeah, I would agree with that. And by a lot of money, we're talking 40 mil plus for the next four years. That That's yeah. that's a lot to commit to a guy. And uh, especially when, like, the light is at the end of the tunnel for the Tobias Harris contract that, like, they're finally kind of getting out of that, which the Tobias is pretty similar situation to OG of, like, when you trade for a guy that you kind of knew you were going to resign, like, the Knicks could very well be looking at that a situation like that where they have to pony up to a price they're not quite comfortable with. And we will see how that all ages. But Levine is definitely a popular name that has been thrown around regarding the Sixers. Is there a particular player or style of player that you would say you're looking at most as far as targets for this team right now? Um, it is tough because I do see like the arguments of like getting an offensive guy, even though their offense is super good. You know that, you know, again, for as good as Embiid and Maxi are, you're probably going to need some more guy, at least one yeah. more guy to like help create for them to help take some pressure off of them, especially uh, against like the tough defenses of uh, that you'll, they'll see in the playoffs, like Boston in particular. So I would say that someone who it, they can be more lean offense more as long as they're not like negatives on defense. And I will say, after seeing the way they've implemented Ubre, I'm more hopeful that Nurse and the coaching staff, you know, if they trade for someone, it's going to be someone they believe can contribute 
defensively. Maybe that's not going to be a guy like OG, who is instantly the Knicks' most impactful defender, at least with Mitchell right. Robinson out for the season, but like someone who can contribute on, on defense. So I would say that getting someone who can create a little bit, you know, another thing Maury said in the in his interview with the Ricky was a guy that has like a playmaking component, can do a little bit on offense. And I think that would be helpful too. But I also will say it's kind of tough to envision that guy who is not owed a lot. Like even if it's someone like Boyan Bogdanovich for his like shooting abilities, like it makes a ton of sense. But even if he's not like the best playmaker, but it's tough to just like find a guy who is that well-rounded and also like on an expiring. That was another reason I thought quickly made sense is because he's kind of in that like role player tier, but he can play a big role and he can do a lot. So um, might have to recalibrate some ideas of who the Sixers might trade for seeing that it, those options are off the table. Yeah, and uh, Brett Siegel over at Clutch Points dropped an article where he connected the Sixers with Jordan Clarkson. Um, any thoughts on that as a potential fit? Um, I don't. I don't think Clarkson's bad, but I do think he there's a potential to where being implemented into the Sixers team, like I don't know, uh, for no yeah. particular reason. I just don't see that fit as super clean. He's a solid player for sure, and it's interesting that like Utah's even like being mentioned as a possibility to move him because I remember they were like so against it because he's one of the few guys that like loves it in Utah. So I I don't know, for some reason, that's just not a guy like, again, the scoring is there. The shooting is there. Like I imagine he would feast off of him beat a maxi, but yeah, for some reason I'm not like super high on it. What about you? Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I'm not the biggest Jordan Clarkson guy. I like that he has kind of found his identity as a player, uh, specifically out there in Utah with kind of this, this microwave, this six man of the year, the guy that he is. I just don't know if that's exactly the guy that I'm looking for. Like, I agree with the offensive comments about like needing to a Celtics team, uh, but I I still have this like fear in my heart of who's the guy guarding Jason Tatum in that series, and who's the guy that's going to be tasked with Giannis and when if they match up with the Bucks. And I get like those are very clearly tough guards for anyone, but if the options right now are Tobias Harris, Nico Batum, Kelly Oubre, Robert Covington, like I I don't feel great about any of those. So it's tough. Like the ideal player, obviously everyone is looking for them and they're not that readily available, but I think I swing more towards the defensive side of the ball of needing that, that I'm, I'm, I would rather roll the dice with them getting enough creation ability with Joel Embiid, who's obviously a league leader. And we've seen the playoff drop offs and we know that there's some kind of inherent issues with having the big man as your primary option with that. But there's still Tyrese Maxey. There's still Kelly Oubre. Even Tobias will have his moments. So I think I've kind of shifted to swinging towards the defensive side of things, but I, I understand the argument both ways. Let me ask you this then. What do you think of – this is a guy who I think the Sixers might be willing to like – you know, it, it doesn't break the cap space plan because he's got a sizable contract, but it's not super big. What do you make of uh, marketing? I love marketing. Marketing would be my guy. That I, that would be an empty the tank move for me. That I think he's a guy that I've talked about since his time with the Bulls that I love him as Sixers target. That I think he could play next to Joel. I think he could play the five when Joel is not on the floor. Uh, he's impressed me more and more in Utah. That he's now he can put the ball on the floor a little bit, create his own shot. He's a complete basketball player. And it, it seems like they're fully committed to building around him. And frankly, I think they they should be. But if Laurie Marketing was on the table, that would be my guy. Yeah, Danny Ainge is always tough to negotiate with, but I do think he would fit super well. As like you said, a guy that fits with um, Embiid and Maxi, but can also serve as a stretch five, uh, mm-hmm. as like a pretty well-rounded scorer, a guy who can contribute defensively better than I anticipated. I always anticipated him as like a, or expected him to be like a solid defender, not super good, but he seems to be 
kind of better than I expected. And it's more, you know, it's impressive that that's kind of being the case, being in a situation like Utah, where he has no motivation to like grow on that end as much as, you know, they're rebuilding for sure. Yeah. I I think it's tough to parse if he will be totally available or not. I mean, I'm sure he has like some, you know, ain't just some trade price if the price, if the, you know, it's enough picks or whatever. But yeah, I would say right now off the top of my head, he would probably be the ideal Sixers trade guy. Yeah, yeah, that would be my guy as well. And we'll wrap up with this last one here to kind of tie it all together. But we've both mentioned how the Sixers kind of outperform my expectations to start. What do you see as them for a ceiling as currently constructed? And do you think like their start to this season changes the outlook for fully committing to this cap space plan and that like the time is to go all in for it this year, if that is the case? Yeah, I think the the way that they've, you know, again, it's tough to parse like who will be here past the deadline and what moves are even out there. But I definitely can see them competing with just about any team. Like I think the improvements and B continues to make the the leap from Maxi, the way they play under Nurse, and just the the amount of role players they have slash will have eventually later on down the line. Like I think this is a season where they don't have to throw all caution in the wind. But it's definitely, I mean. I remember the talks this offseason about like, oh, maybe they should just kind of punt this season or whatever. And I thought that was kind of crazy considering the, you know, Embiid is here healthy yeah. and is, is still one of the best in the league. And it seems like they're still kind of going with that. Like obviously Maury is taking his time with, you know, kind of resetting a little, a soft reset with the Harden trade and adding more cap space by getting off of BJ Tucker too. So I think that, they could, you know, again, it, we'll see how the trade market shapes up. I can see them competing with just about anybody. I do see kind of the changes they're making as things that can kind of help uh, uh, diminish the effects of, like you said, Embiid's offense kind of tailing off in the playoffs or just some of the other shortcomings they've had. I feel like this team can compete really well. And on so, I mean, Moore knows it for sure. I just would be, you know, it'll be interesting to see what level is like, you know, if this is the time he's going to go all in because at some point, you know, there will be a point where it's like not last hurrah ish, I guess, where it's like, this is the big move. We're going to go with Joel and this is going to be the time. I just, I, I would doubt if it's this trade deadline, maybe it'll be this off season or next year's trade deadline. But I mean, like we've been saying, they've been playing super well, better than anybody expected. Yeah. Obviously the roster doesn't, you know, player for player, maybe doesn't stack up with some of the others around the league, but with Joel playing that as well as he is and nurse and Maxi alongside him. Like, I feel like the potential is there for them to compete with anybody. I'm not going to predict a championship, but I mean, they've made some improvements that I think are helping them get to that level, like really well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I agree. I think they're right within striking distance with uh, the real deal contenders across the entire NBA. And I, I do think that for that reason alone, you should go for it this year that if you can, scrape up and find that missing piece you absolutely do it and that's uh, easier said than done absolutely but i will have my eyes all across for the trade deadline sam thank you so much for hopping on with me here uh what else what do you got cooking over at clutch points and everything else in your world right now uh, i'm still obviously on the on the beat at clutch points writing about the sixers you can find my work at by sam giovanni um on twitter slash x i also started writing about the phillies for philadelphia sports network um the ba- the mlb offseason has been brutally slow i'm really hoping to see something happen with the Phillies. obviously they're in a situation they don't need to make any big moves but like something something would be nice to see before pitching some <laughs> captain's report but yeah that obviously it's six season now and i'm really excited to see where this this season goes it's been really fun to cover so far 
Yeah, definitely. Well, I cannot thank you enough for hopping on with me. Thank you all for watching out there. Make sure to smash that subscribe button, drop a like, and let us know what you think of any of these trade targets in the comments. But I'll be talking with you next time right here on PickSwap Media. Peace.